We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Happy Hall of Fame game day to all of those who celebrate. I know it's not real football. It's not even like real preseason football. Like these teams treat this like a, you know, scrimmage at best it feels like and anyone that's remotely important to the team usually doesn't I'm still so freaking excited just to see NFL football back on my TV screen. I couldn't ask for anything more on a random Thursday at the beginning of August. So I know it's what the Jets and the, I don't, it doesn't matter. It could have been any of the 32 teams. It could have been any of their third string players. It could be all players that don't make 53 man. It doesn't matter. I'm so excited. So I'm not sure if you guys are excited and sharing my excitement of Hall of Fame game stuff, but uh, I will absolutely be watching and can't freaking wait. But enough Hall of Fame game stuff. Let's talk about actually. Packers stuff. We did have a transaction on Wednesday that I want to start off by going over. They claimed Aaron Mosby off of waivers. They cut Ladarius Hamilton, basically a like-for-like trade to outside linebackers, both who have had some 
uh, playing time in the NFL, although I think Mosby's was like three plays, uh, not including special teams. Um, Ladarius Hamilton's had a cup of coffee here and there as well, uh, but overall two edge rushers. Mosby is a second-year player, 3.96 relative athletic score, so only a 39th percentile athlete. Green Bay has seemingly been a little bit more lax in their like, we're only gathering superhuman athletes to our team sort of, uh, you know, philosophy. So Mosby is not in that realm, 39th percentile athlete. But again, that doesn't mean that he can't play. Um, He's got good speed for the position. He, as mentioned, did play for the Panthers and that's where they claimed him off waivers from. 6'3", 250. And he did have 10 sacks at Fresno State in 2021 in his senior season. 2022 is his draft year, went undrafted. And then of course, this is year two. And it sounds like Green Bay had tried to sign him as an undrafted free agent, lost out on him. And now they'll finally get a look at him. And one of the things just really quick here is that I really like how Brian Gutekinds manages sort of what I will call sort of the bottom of the roster. And I think from time to, you know, from time to time, what would happen with Ted and other GMs, and I still see it throughout the league with GMs is they kind of get their 90 guys in and maybe they change out maybe a guy or two here or there at the bottom of the roster. But um, and, and, but at the end of the day, you end up making all these cuts and you don't really get to see a ton of players. For me, as soon as you get the feeling that, hey, this guy's not going to make the 53 and would struggle even to make the practice squad, like, let's see somebody else. Let's get a different body in there. Cody Crest, I think, is actually a great example of this, a player that they just kind of churned the bottom of the roster a little bit. And I think in large part due to the fact that DuBose and Wicks were both injured and they probably needed an extra, you know, training camp wide receiver. But Cody Crest is a great example of a guy that got brought in in like the final wave of players, you know, during training camp. And he's He's been fairly impressive so far. Like some of the guys that they released, Chuck Filiaga, like I don't think he was going to make even a practice squad. Meanwhile, Cody Crest, I could legitimately see being a practice squad guy. So if you start getting an inkling that guys like Jonathan Garvin and Ladarius Hamilton and Chuck Filiaga are just not in your plans, Cameron McDonald, um, then let's find different guys who could surprise and let's keep that competition going and make it so that that, you know, 68th, 69th spot on the practice squad is really hard to make and that you've got to come to work every day and really earn your job either on the 53 or the 69. And even if they don't make it right now, you've actually had guys like have come in and learned your playbook and have seen the facilities and know Green Bay. And like, as you start stacking your emergency board through the course of the season and guys start going down and you need to fill those 53-man spots with guys from your practice squad and fill your practice squad with guys from the street, you now have had a bunch of different players that have come through camp and have known Green Bay and have got to know the system a little bit. And you probably feel a little bit more familiar and they have a little bit more of a jump start when they get on that practice squad midway through the season. So I love that Brian does that and sort of churns through players at the bottom of the roster. And I hope he continues to do so. And it just gives you a, a little bit more of a better feel for a lot of the players that are out there rather than having to try to stack your board, your emergency board, just based off of tryouts. So I like the signing. I think Ladarius Hamilton had probably uh, reached the point where you had already seen him play. You kind of knew what you had. And very similarly to Jonathan Garvin, do I think he's a 53-man roster player? No. Do I think he could be a, a practice squad player for some team that maybe gets called up in week 10 and could play eight to 10 snaps for you in a rotational role if really needed? Maybe. But once you set the ceiling and you just know like that's probably the ceiling, 
it just probably behooves you to move on and try a different player and see if maybe they have a little bit of a higher profile and a little bit of a higher ceiling for you. So like the change out, we'll see what that means. The the other thing that this could potentially mean is some good news for Brenton Cox. And he, listen, he has not earned anything yet, at least in my opinion, like who knows how the Packers actually think of him right now, but he's not earned anything yet and he needs to continue to battle and, and really try to do everything he can to make a roster. But this was a, when he first gets picked up as an undrafted free agent, this is like, especially if Rashawn Gary is back, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, you got Lucas Van Ness, Kingsley Nigbari, Justin Hollins, Jonathan Garvin, Ladarius Hamilton, who have both been on the 53-man roster in the past. Like you're sitting at like number eight at best if you're Brenton Cox. Well, now Jonathan Garvin gone, Ladarius Hamilton gone. Now you're sitting at number six, even if Rashawn Gary is back. And, you know, him and Justin Hollins, like that becomes a little bit more of an interesting battle. Brenton Cox has more years of eligibility, is younger, probably has a higher upside. Like you start getting in your converse, in the conversation for maybe even being the fifth edge rusher on the team if he can show some things. So a long way to go, job not done. But if you're Brenton Cox and you've already beat out two of the guys that were established 53-man roster players in Green Bay in the past, and Ladarius Hamilton and Jonathan Garvin, that's a pretty good sign. And certainly your odds of making the team are better now than what they were heading into the season. So we'll see what that ultimately means for him on the long term. All right. Next thing I wanted to go over was the offensive line. And one of the things I mentioned from practice from the other day was that we finally got a real look at Zach Tom with the number one offense at center with Yash Nyman playing right tackle. And they have been churning through some different players. Royce Newman's got some looks. So it's hard to say exactly what this means and if it's just cross training or if they're really, you know, starting a competition here. But it does legitimately feel like three of the spots, I think three of the spots are locked down, even though John Runyon Jr. has fought a little bit with Royce Newman, or at least Royce Newman's got, um, you know, some snaps in there as well. But you would think Bakhtiari, and then Elton Jenkins and John Runyon Jr. are probably three of the, the five starters with Bakhtiari at left tackle, Jenkins at left guard, and Runyon at right guard. And that leaves center and right tackle seemingly for three players fighting for two spots. Josh Myers at center, Yash Nyman at right tackle, and then Zach Tom either at center or right tackle. So I posted the poll out there what would you do? Who would you start? And you can put your comments below as well. Would you go Josh Myers at center and Zach Tom at right tackle? Would you go Josh Myers at center and Yash Nyman at right tackle? Or would you go Zach Tom at center and Yash Nyman at right tackle? So there's a lot of, well, there's not a lot. There's three different options that you basically have in that scenario. And I was then asked by a few different people like, all right, Andy, you posted the question, but based on what you've seen so far, what would you do? So here's my answer. And there's still a lot of time left and I'm not a million percent set on this, but I do think I'll eliminate one right away. I'm going to eliminate the Josh Myers at center, Yash Nyman at right tackle. And the easiest reason for that is A, I think Zach Tom right now is the fourth best offensive lineman on this team. And he might be in the conversation for number three. And even like beyond that, he has a high, probably the third highest ceiling of any offensive lineman on this team after David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. So I, if he's already number four and the ceiling is even higher, like there's no reason not to have him on the field. So let's start by saying that Zach Tom is my fourth offensive lineman and he is, he's going to be on the field in some capacity. So the question then becomes, do you want Zach Tom at right tackle with Josh Myers at center or Zach Tom at center with uh, Yash Nyman at right tackle? 
And the the easy way to look at this could be, well, who's the better player? If Yash is the better player, then put Yash at right and put Zach Tom at center. If Josh is the better player, put him at center, put put you know uh, Zach Tom at right, and your problem is basically solved. And then I, I don't know that that's necessarily wrong. I do think there's a world in which Zach Tom might be a better right tackle than he would be a center, but we're I'm not a million percent there yet. But if I were to say today, I would say I like Zach a little bit more at right tackle. So maybe, you know, Yash would need to be a little bit better than Josh Myers to sort of make up for that. But even if we just narrowed it down to the most basic, you know, competition between Josh Myers and Yash Nyman, I'm not sure how I feel, like tr- quite honestly. If you had to say who's the best offensive lineman, who's a better offensive lineman, Josh Myers or Yash Nyman, I don't I don't have a great feel for it. They kind of feel equal to me. And then that's how I kind of came up with my final answer for now. And I want to emphasize for now because there's a lot of time left, but you've got Josh Myers and Yash Nyman. You've got Yash Nyman on the last year of his deal and probably going to get paid next year in unrestricted free agency. And you've got Josh Myers, who is a second round pick who in my opinion has a higher upside and ceiling than Yash Nyman is still under contract next year. And, you know, if there's not a massive difference, start by going with the guy who is still under contract and that you spent a second round pick on and that has a little bit of a higher upside. Now, that would be my answer right now because of those reasons and because I don't think there's a huge differentiator between the two as players right now. So I would go Bakhtiari left tackle, Jenkins left guard, Myers center, Runyon right guard, and Zach Tom right tackle. That's that's where I feel right now. I think that's Zach's better position. And I think Myers and Nyman are close enough. And I like the upside and, and just the trying to get return on investment, the fact that he's under contract next year. I think it just makes more sense. However, I will say this. My leash with Josh Myers would be extremely thin. And I do like that he's getting some competition now because I think that's needed. So I would start with Myers. If it doesn't go or if it goes poorly, it continues to be an issue. I'm making the quick hitch and I'm going with Zach Tom at center and then Yash Nyman at right tackle. But I'm going to definitely start with Josh Myers or given that scenario. And then that begs the next question. And I've talked about this a little bit in the past and that's should Green Bay trade Yash Nyman then? And that becomes a little bit more of an interesting question if Josh Myers is your starting center and Zach Tom is your starting right tackle. If you've got Bakhtiari and and, uh, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and Zach Tom starting left to right, you probably, first of all, feel pretty good that Yash is your your swing tackle that can kick in um, at, at left tackle if Bakhtiari were to get hurt, can go in at right tackle if Zach Tom were to get hurt. And if anyone left guard, center, right guard gets hurt, Yash can go in at right tackle and Zach Tom can take any of those positions. So you feel like you have six starting offensive linemen and you know you, you have some depth and versatility there. So you probably feel pretty good about that. And maybe I'll preface this conversation by saying, I don't think Yash is going anywhere. I think he's going to stay on the Green Bay Packers this year. But I know Ken Ingles, uh, who uh, you know has been on the show in the past, he posted this on Twitter. Quote, hearing some chatter on here about trading Yash Nyman, I heard the same stuff last year too. I do not endorse this idea. Swing tackle is a premium backup position. Yash is young, 27, healthy, never missed a game, proven, 1,360 snaps, and cheap, $4.3 million. Keep him around. And I know Aaron Nagler uh, co-signed on that on a tweet as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What I will say is I don't think it's quite that easy. So remember, I think Yash is going to stay on the team, but I don't think it's quite that easy. And I think there's five questions that you need to ask to kind of come to this conclusion. Number one is how do you view Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta, and Rashid Walker? Number two, do you have long-term plans for Yash Nyman? Number three, how confident are you in David Bakhtiari's knee? Number four, what can you get in return for Yash? And five, is it more than you would get in return for a comp pick? All right. Those are the five questions. I'm going to touch base on those in just a moment, but I want to go over something else really quick. I know people don't always like this and I know that people don't view it this way, but here's the real true honesty about what Brian Gudikins should be thinking about this season. He should not be going into this season in 2023 thinking that this is a Super Bowl roster and that he should be doing everything he can to manage this team as if they're trying to win a Super Bowl this season. I'm not saying they can't win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be trying to win a Super Bowl as a coach, GM, roster, etc. I'm not saying that they um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't cheer for them to win the Super Bowl. Obviously you should. I'm not again, I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying as a GM, you're trying to open windows where you can legitimately win a Super Bowl and giving your team the best shot to do that. And what I would not want to do if I were Brian Gutekunst is borrow anything from the future where your odds are likely better to win the Super Bowl than they are in 2023 to do something where you try to win right now. That's how I would feel about this if I were Brian Gutekunst. Like the simplest question I could ask you is, do you think Green Bay has a better chance to win the Super Bowl in 2023 or 2024? To me, it's easy. It's 2024 because you've had a lot of these players who have developed a year more, these young players. Jordan Love's had a year of starting in the league. Christian Watson's a year older, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, like Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, like Quay, Quay Walker. Like we could go on and on. And like, I think they have a much better chance in 2024 with some experience under their belt than they do in 2023. I would argue the same thing without even barely knowing what the roster is. I would argue that they have a better chance in 2025 than in 2023. So if that's the case, 
you don't manage just based on this one year. You try to figure out, all right, how can I make sure that I'm consistently trying to get better for 2024 and 2025? And that's how Brian Gutekind should be viewing this season. And when you look at it in that realm, you have to look at what Yash would or what would happen by trading Yash. First of all, you would save his four his full $4.3 million contract. Now you'd pay somebody 750K at minimum uh, to take his place. So you're saving about you know $3.5 million, but still. That is a significant amount of money for a team that's kind of cash strapped over the next couple seasons. And remember, you can carry over money into future seasons that you save on the salary cap this year. Any savings goes into next year's additional salary cap, which they could absolutely use. So you do have some money and some savings there by trading him to another team. There is no dead cap hit for trading Yash away. You additionally get a trade asset for whatever you end up trading him for, right? So you have a legitimate savings plus a trade asset in return. And you also have the ability then to develop players like Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta, and Rashid Walker, who are younger, under contract for the foreseeable future, and cheaper. So if your goal is to open windows in 2024, 2025, et cetera, then Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta, Rashid Walker, developing those players, saving money so that you can carry it over into future salary caps and um, you know, just getting a, a draft pick or whatever it is in return is likely a better scenario for you for when you're trying to have better odds to win a Super Bowl, which again, I would argue 2024, 2025, 2026, and beyond, probably better odds to win the Super Bowl than in 2023. So I want to go back to those questions then again for a second. The first one, how do you view Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta, and Rashid Walker? This is a key one. You've got Bakhtiari at left tackle, Zach Tom at right tackle, if you feel like one of those players can legitimately be a swing tackle, and I'll even limit this more, we can take Rashid Walker out of the equation. We can probably take Luke Tenute out of the equation. It comes down to Caleb Jones. Do you think Caleb Jones can be a legitimate swing tackle? Personally, my belief would be that the, the difference between a Yash Nyman and a Caleb Jones wouldn't be that great. Would it be some? Yes. Would it be a little bit worse? Probably. Would it be significant? I don't think so. And that part of that's because I think Yash is fine. I don't think he's that good. I think he's a nice swing tackle, but I think Caleb Jones could be a nice swing tackle too. That would be my first answer to the first question is, and I think Green Bay likes Caleb Jones. I think they like Luke Tenuta too. We'll see what happens in cut downs and, and things like that, but, and, and how they play in preseason. But I think you've got some tackle options there if you decide to move on from, you know, from Yash. And also you do still have Elton Jenkins who can kick out as well. So that's another, you know, just idea to kick around as well. Number two is the other, the second question that I have is, do you have long-term plans for Yash? Now, if the answer to that is yes, if they're thinking, hey, this might be Bakhtiari's last year and we're going to have to go in a different direction and Yash is going to be a long-term tackle for us and we feel like Zach Tom and Yash and Iman are going to be our long-term tackles, well, then that puts the entire you know conversation to, to rest already. But if they don't, if they don't think they're going to pay Yash market value and that he's going to get paid more elsewhere then you have to consider like, hey, what's one year of Yash Nyman as a swing tackle doing us? Is it helping us win a Super Bowl? No, then let's start acquiring assets that can help us win a Super Bowl. Number three is how confident are you in David Bakhtiari's knee? If you think that this is going to be a consistent and constant struggle through the course of the season, and maybe he only plays half the games, then yeah, in Jordan's first year as a starter, you probably want a little bit better protection on his blind side and making sure that he feels comfortable. 
and Yash could have a lot of value in that situation. But if they're 100% confident and they're thinking that the entire knee thing is behind them and that David's going to start 15, 16, 17 games, and which nothing, nothing's ever for sure, of course. Same thing with Zach Tom. Nothing's ever for sure. But if they feel confident and that that's not an issue, and again, if Caleb Jones, they, they feel confident he can be a swing tackle, then that is another reason why maybe they feel like they could get away with trading him. And then the next two is what are, again, what can you get in return for Yash? And is it better than the comp pick that you would get for him walking in free agency next year? If you think that he's going to sign a lucrative deal in free agency next year, and you're going to get a third, fourth round pick in return, then if some team's offering you a fifth or sixth round pick now, all right, well then screw it. You just keep him for a year. If a team is, if you don't think he's going to get a lucrative deal, especially if he's just a backup offensive lineman this year, and you can get something in return for him now, then that could make more sense. And that's where it probably ends up needing to be a third round pick, or maybe what I should better say is a third round value. Of course, they don't want a third round pick because they don't know how to use those. And those are cursed in Green Bay. Uh, but at least if you could get like a third or fourth round value, you're probably talking uh, you know, about having to consider that deal a little bit more. If it's a sixth or seventh, you're probably just like, nah, we'll, we'll hang on to him this year and see what happens. So I do think that he's going to be on the team. But I do think it's not as easy as just, well, he's a you know good swing tackle at 27 years old and so on and so forth. And that's not a diss on Ken or Aaron or anyone else. It's just, I think it's a nuanced question. And if I'm GMing, which again, you can be super thankful that I'm not, I want to look at how I can open that next window and be the best team and have better odds moving forward than I probably do this year to win the championship. And if that is by acquiring future pieces rather than just losing Yash in free agency, paying him 4.3 million that I can never get back for one year of him being a swing tackle. I think I might just take my chances with Caleb Jones and see what I can get in return instead. So I just think it's a little bit more of a nuanced question, but as I mentioned at the onset, I do think he's going to stay on the team and I do think he ends up being the swing tackle behind Zach Tom and David Bakhtiari. All right. Back to our, or I guess finally forward to our main topic of today now that we're 21 minutes in. But these are fun conversations and fun topics. And my, my main topic today is just kind of a, a nice, fun and easy one, nice and breezy. And I'm not going to go into too great a detail, especially on the detail that I've gone in already with our topics. But I want to go through the, the standout performers of training camp so far. And it is very early, but I love going through this stuff and just kind of saying like, I went through the rookies yesterday, but as a roster, as a, a team as a whole, 90 players, who's been sort of the standouts through the first week? So I'm going to go through my, my 12 here. Number 12, I'm going to start very appropriately, this beautiful, beautiful transition with Luke Tenuta and Caleb Jones tied for 12th. And I think both of these players have played very, very well so far. Caleb Jones is still a massive human being that is able to move some piles. He's got better footwork than you would ever expect. And Luke Tenuta, right tackle, every time I'm looking over, he is doing his job and playing a really nice brand of football. I think both of these players have played very, very well so far, and I'm really looking forward to watching them play in preseason. Number 11, how could you not mention Daniel Whelan? He has punted the heck out of the ball so far. I feel bad for the pigskin. He's got a monster leg. He's got great hang time. It's looked really, really good for Whelan. So I'm, I'm very intrigued as to uh, you know how he punts in preseason and just how open Green Bay is to going in a younger direction at punter. But I really believe that this is a competition and Daniel Whelan has made it so, so far. Number 10 is Jonathan Owens, a player that I'm not sure I've mentioned so far through any of my training camp recaps or quick hits or anything. He's had a nice start though. He's filled in uh, the, the alleys and the gaps really well in the running game so far. 
He had an interception the other day in practice and one-on-ones. He's looked more than formidable in coverage. This is a player who has starting experience and he's now outside of Houston where sometimes players just struggle in Houston. It's a different culture down there. He gets to go and play for the Green Bay Packers now, have a legitimate chance at the starting position. We'll see what happens with Rudy Ford, Tavarius Mord, and uh, Darnell Savage. But I've really liked what I've seen out of Jonathan Owen so far. Do I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl safety or anything like that? No. But do I think he's had a really nice start to camp? Yes. And do I think he's going to make that starting spot competitive? I do. So, so far, so good for Jonathan Owens. Number nine, I'm going with Jordan Love. And could he be higher on this list? Maybe. Could he be lower? Maybe, but I'm going to put him here at number nine and his completion percentage has not been great. He had the one interception on the tip ball that Devondre Campbell picked off. He had one ball that he threw directly to Quay Walker that was dropped. And then he's had some really impressive throws, the touchdown to Christian Watson that he, you know, threaded a needle perfectly. Uh, the deep ball to Samore Toure on a third down in the two-minute drill, which was gorgeous. The deep ball to Christian Watson, the 60-plus yarder. The incredible throw to Jaden Reed that was dropped along the sideline, throwing, you know, rolling out off his back foot, fading away. Like, there's been some wow throws for Jordan. And I'll say it once more, I love his process. I've really, really enjoyed watching him play quarterback and going through his process and progressions, finding the opportunities to get, you know, get the ball down the field. And when it's not there, taking his checkdowns as needed, scrambling when needed, knowing what his, his uh, you know, run solutions are, hitting Christian Watson on the backside. So has it been perfect? No. Have the completion percentage been as high as I would like it? No. Have the offense won the competitive periods yet? No. So there's room for growth and room for opportunity. But overall, if you were to like blind taste test me and show me what Jordan Love's done so far based on what, you know, I we had no expectations going in and what to expect. It could have been really bad. It could have been really great. This this would have exceeded my expectations so far. I think he's continuing to get better. And I think this week too uh, is going to tell us a lot and family night and, and coming up the, you know, I'm not going to see it in, in Cincinnati with the competitive practices, but I think that's going to be really important for him as well. Uh, but uh, so far I, I'm and, and maybe, listen, maybe it is that I went in with, and others went in with just the expectation of like, like, it could be really bad. So even okay, seems good. But I'm telling you, like, this is, I've been brutally honest with you in the past when Jordan has really struggled in training camp. I see a different Jordan Love. I see a starting caliber Jordan Love. And so far I am more bullish on what I've seen than anything else. So I'm going number nine, Jordan Love. Number eight, I'm going all the like the, the next four defensive linemen not named Kenny Clark. TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Colby Wooden, and Carl Brooks. All of them have had flash, you know, splash plays, wow plays, whatever you want to call them. And all of them have made their impact known. TJ Slayton's been engulfing players in the backfield and, and getting penetration and holding up at the point of attack. Devontae Wyatt's been myrtleizing people in uh with spin moves and everything else and one-on-one drills. He's been busting through the line of scrimmage and holding his own. Colby Wooden's had pressures and sacks. Carl Brooks has had pressures and sacks. I'm really excited about what I've seen from that group so far. They're going to need to do it on Sundays and show that they can hold up at the point of attack and really be the catalyst for stopping the run with that front group. But I've been, again, more uh, encouraged by what I've seen from that group than I kind of maybe expected going in so far. Number seven, Razul Douglas. 
just back playing his outside corner position. He looks so natural and at home. Yes, he gave up the double move to Samore Toure the one day, but outside of that, he's been contesting everything. He's been in great spots, great position. He's a veteran. He like He's going to get his hands on some balls sooner rather than later. My guess is he's got some picks in him yet this training camp, but I've liked what I've seen. And as I mentioned the other day, not easy playing across from Jair Alexander because you're not throwing at Jair very much. You're going to throw to Razul or anyone else not named Jair Alexander. So he's got his work cut out for him, but he's been up to the task so far. Number six is Samore Toure. Really impressed with what I've seen. I think there's been a legitimate second year jump from him and he's caught everything his way. He's showed he can open up at all layers of the field, deep, intermediate, and short. Showed some run after the catch ability. He's got good speed. They've been using him as a punt returner and kick returner a little bit. Everything that I've seen out of him has been nothing but positive. I think that's going to continue moving forward and just really excited about Samore Toure. Number five is David Bakhtiari. And yes, he's missed some days. He sat out some days. He's dropped out of practice on other days. When he's in there, he's dominant. He looks like David Bakhtiari. He doesn't need that much practice. Rest him as much as you need to. He's still one of the best in the league. And every single time I watch him go up against anyone, he's just shutting that player down. So number five, David Bakhtiari. Number four is Kenny Clark, consistently plugging lanes in the middle of the defense, showing some penetration. He was dominant in the first day of practice. Hasn't had a dominant day like that since, but he's been consistent and exactly what you would expect out of Kenny Clark. Hoping for and expecting big things out of him this season. A little bit of a bounce back from last year, but training camp has been nothing but positive so far. Number three is Christian Watson, whether it's skying against Jair Alexander for a five-yard completion in one-on-ones, 60-yard bomb, a great catch on an out route uh, that Jordan Love threaded the needle so perfectly on. Uh, he, He caught another touchdown that was a little bit behind him and ran it in. He's been everywhere. He's been as advertised. He's only getting better and very, very happy with the way Christian Watson's performed in training camp so far. Number two is Carrington Valentine. Yes, he got beat up. Uh, not beat up, but he had a couple one-on-ones completed against him, which is normal for DBs. He allowed the big touchdown to Bo Melton in practice the other day, and everything else has been awesome. He's been aggressive coming up and trying to stop the run. He's got a swagger. He had the pick six. He batted a ball away from Christian Watson on a one-on-one or in a team drill, but in man-to-man coverage. He has been nothing short of impressive, and I'm really excited to watch him finally play in preseason. He is set up very, very well, and Matt LaFleur had nothing but great comments to say so far. And number one is Jair Alexander. Got mossed a little bit by Romeo Dobbs the other day in one-on-ones. Again, never hold a defensive back accountable in one-on-ones. Those are brutally, brutally tough. Outside of that, in team drills, he has been nothing short of dominant, and he is... a Jair Alexander, Jair, you know, Jair Island, whatever you want to call him, Strap City. He's he's really, I think, taking on a, a more of a leadership mantle on the defense. And you can tell, as always, he's taking everything extremely seriously, becoming a master of it. Well, he's already been a master of his craft, but working on it even more. Very excited about Jair this season. He looks phenomenal. So that is my list. Luke Tenuta and Caleb Jones at number 12. Daniel Whelan at 11, Jonathan Owens at 10, Jordan Love at 9, the entire defensive line not named Kenny Clark at 8, Razul at 7, Samori at 6, Bakhtiari 5, Kenny Clark 4, Watson 3, Valentine 2, and Jair Alexander 1. So those have been my standouts so far. Some honorable mentions, Devondre had a great first day and he's been really, really solid so far. Definitely could have been worthy of making this list as well. Romeo Dobbs tore up OTAs in minicamps, had the mossing of Jair Alexander uh, the other day. 
and has had some nice catches in in team drills, but hasn't had that explosive player to catch down the field in team drills yet. So just kind of hoping that those explosives come a little bit more for him. And I'm sure there's a few other people that could have been mentioned as well, but that's the list I'm going with. So that's the list that you're stuck with. I will see you guys right back here tomorrow. So make sure to subscribe if you have not already. 4 p.m. happy hour on Friday q and I'm expecting to do that again. So make sure to check that out. I'll see you tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Paco. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.